It's Monday, January 31st, and we have the taco genius, Justin Hershey of Chicano Boy. We're talking about wings and CiderCon. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Hello and welcome to Eat It, Virginia, your number one podcast source for food news and interviews with the people who make Virginia restaurants great. Follow us on social media at Eat It, Virginia, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. My name is Scott Wise, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. Roby, on today's show, Justin Hershey, the owner of the new Chesterfield taco shop, Chicano Boy. He gets very real with us. He does get very real and I'm very proud of him. I think these are things that the restaurant community should hear about, especially from a successful restaurateur who has been, well, he's been everywhere. It's a really interesting interview. I feel like he's he's lived a lot of lives in his not very many years. Yep, same, 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 same. So what'd you do this weekend? This weekend has been kind of low-key for me. Oh, this is our first episode of the new year, by the way. I feel like it's too late to say Happy New Year, but Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, new Year. year. Um, this weekend has been sort of low-key, but I did have an excellent meal at a local wing shop. Um, so our one of our really good friends of the podcast, we'll have him back someday when he's not so popular, he's everywhere, Booth Hardy, and he wants to know about your wing stuff now we've talked about my children before and how picky they are my son really loves wings manchu is his number one on his birthday in december we drove out to manchu we had a nice picnic lunch out in the park out there on the north side of richmond saw marvin gave him daps he's doing very well love that but guy there is a new contender in the number one wing spot for my son for my picky 13 year old son and it Holy is totally made my fake trumpet song sound too early yeah yeah there's a new contender cocky rooster the cocky rooster okay i don't like that name or that um logo by the way i wish that well, it was so appropriated but tell me about the wings the way the my son i got that chick, big fat chicken sandwich they opened up there's there's one on main street i believe in the fan and they opened there up is. recently in in short pump so we went to the short pump location near our house and was it busy? It was takeout. I just did, we just did takeout. So okay. it's tough so to say how busy it is. Yeah, it's a small seating area. I'm imagining most of their businesses take out, but I did not know that for sure. Um, I got one of those big, you know, big fat chicken sandwiches that seem to be all the rage these days. It was, it was excellent. My son is sitting across the table from me. I order him some wings, order him some chicken tenders, he takes a bite of both. He looks up at me and he says, wow. What? Wow. What? So I, I personally did not have the wings myself, but I will say that based on his reaction, I would recommend the cocky rooster to those looking for a new wing spot in town. Well, I guess I'm going to have to overlook the metal chain and the wrap reasoning and hit the cocky rooster specifically because I think that your son really knows what he's talking about when it comes to wings. <laughs> I mean, I, I really do. Your son actually knows what he's talking about uh, in a lot of ways. Maybe we should follow him. Um, I'm, I'm into the Manchu for sure. Ryan and I actually got some of those three weeks ago or so. Um, and Marvin 
high-fived me, like air high-fived me, and then chatted briefly about like something he knew that was going on in my life. I mean, he's so, so personable. I am a big fan, and maybe you should have your son try these, of the fuzzy cactus wings. Well, next time we're down near Manchu, we can stop by a fuzzy cactus because it's all the same neighborhood. Get some ice cream over at Ruby Scoops. I know you love her. That's the block. There's the block. A little little cue at Smoky Mug, a little wing at Fuzzy Cactus, a little cream at Ruby Scoops, and you're done. Speaking of Main Street, Scott, I have news. Lay it on me. If you're from, oh, you are familiar because you like the pancake charcuterie from SB's Lakeside Love Sack. That's a, that's a sparkly little thing there. Well, now glitter on the pancakes, right? Glitter on the pancakes. Yep. Look at you. Um, they're moving. Oh, they're not moving. They're having a second location. Want to know where? I'm going to guess Main Street since you just mentioned it. <laughs> yes. It's going to go in the old brunch. I wonder if they're going to keep the mural. On the side of the building? No, inside the building. Oh. It's this gorgeous um, painted, I mean, it's beautiful. The, actually, the redone of the, the building inside, which used to be, I don't know if you know this, at one point in time, it was Sobel's, had a wonderful burger. Then it was Starlight and had Bo Butler blowing fire um, for multiple bar shifts. And then it was brunch, um, a relation of lunch and supper and urban roost. And now it's going to be SB's Main Street Love Shack. If you guys are unfamiliar with Sarah Beth and the Love Shack restaurant, she was our guest on episode 10 back in June of 2019. Holy moly! So please go back and listen to that episode so you can get a little preview of what she's likely bringing to the fan. I can tell you what, it's going to be colorful, it'll be energetic, and it'll be a lot of fun. She wore a rose in her hair for that interview, and I still am envious that I cannot pull that look off. You could pull off a whole bunch of other looks, though, Roby. I wouldn't be too envious. Oh, beep, 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 Scott. You're such a good dude. So I'm going to go to CiderCon, um, which is the first through the fourth. So while people are listening to this, I'm hopefully going to be listening to Diane Flint, who was probably one of our best Virginia cider makers before she decided to retire out of cider making. And I think she's just growing apples now. She was Foggy Ridge cider delightful cider but we have i'm gonna round number this because i don't actually know how many cider makers we have coming from all over the nation but they'll be here for four days doing all manner of apple cidery things i saw there's a whole list of events every night there's something new we can put a link to that list on our show notes and our and the website on cbs6swtvr.com is there any particular, you mentioned that one event, are there other events that you would highlight people check out? So there's several tracks, uh, again, round numbers, probably like seven that you could do. Marketing, terroir, flavor, um, how to d- discuss cider with your customers. In my opinion, one ticketed event that has is going to sell out. It, I mean, they have, there's lots of them. Tiffany and I'm going to pronounce her last name wrong. I believe it's Barreri. Um, She is a nationally known bartender, has been to Richmond before for Fire, Flower, and Fork. She's going to walk through the history of cider, discussing how it has Black roots and roots in mostly female um, 
cider, typically female cider making was like original. And I think that's going to just be a stellar conversation to hear. I am not a huge cider person. I'll have a glass of cider. I'll go to a cidery and enjoy the experience. If I am not a huge cider drinker, where's what's the one or two types that you might recommend I try in Virginia? So I dig a dry cider and that is obviously my preference, not policy. And if I were to suggest the type of cider that I like, then I here close to us, I would say Blue Bee because you could also get a, an incredible grilled cheese by Truckle Cheesemongers, which I feel like is the perfect accompaniment for cider. I am a fan of cheese. Yes, yes, you are. And Courthouse Creek, um, I wish they still had their location here. The location where way out is a little, it's an interesting location, but the cider is delightful. Also, cool thing, Hardywood, little known fact, they make cider. Um, that Hardywood Brewery dudes doing all the things. And they have a female cider maker who's speaking um, at the CiderCon. Pretty cool cider situation right in our backyard, Scott. Beautiful. Like I said, we'll put those uh, link to those events in our show notes. And while I'm not a huge fan of cider, I am a huge fan of tacos and Justin Hershey. Happy New Year, Robes. And on our first podcast, we have tacos. One of my favorite foods. I'm aware that it's your favorite food. And I think that you're really not prepared for these tacos. I actually went to this specific restaurant. It's new here in Richmond. Um, two weeks ago. I don't know. It's still fresh in my mind. So it was like it was yesterday. These tacos are so good. We have Justin Hershey of Chicano Boy, Stanton. Why is that said like that when it's spelled with a U? And Richmond... Hi, Justin. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> it's good. How are you? Uh, I am doing well. Uh, fully caffeinated. It's finally hitting. So I'm, uh, I'm on the up and up. So how'd you get into the taco biz? Oh, man. Oh, man. You got a minute? We have we have 42. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. 41 now. Um, well, um, it's... I'll, I'll try to keep it short. Um, so Chicano boy ended up, uh, well, it started as kind of a joke. Um, while I was at the shack with Ian Bowden and, uh, Ian had a restaurant that I worked at actually back in 2008 called the Stanton grocery in Stanton at the time was a little bit, uh, maybe a little mixed match or ahead of its time. Um, and he had, you know, several years later found success at the shack and uh, I kind of summed it up to right sizing the concept for the town because stands pretty small. It's about 24,000 people and we had about 24, 25 seats uh, and we had no problem filling those and people were very, you know, receptive uh, and uh, we did big things there. So I was kind of like, well, I have a bunch of, you know, little concept ideas that are uh, highly specialized that you know would probably work on this scale like 25 seats just a uh, small shops and i was like well we should do like a, a neapolitan pizza thing we should do a you know a taco shop we should do a dumpling shop you know and uh i i off the cuff i was like yeah we should call it chicano boy because i'm half mexican 
and he laughed and I laughed and I was like, I was thinking about it and we had a building across the street from us. And, uh, I was like, man, we could do like a carnitas by the pound with fresh tortillas, two salsas, you know, um, walk up window or delivery and just do carnitas. And, uh, he was like, you know what, Justin, that's a great idea, but I'm not going to partner with you on this. And I was like, why is that? And he's like, well, I think you're going to leave the restaurant business again. And I was like, oh, is that so? And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go do that now. Um, and the first things for, you know, first thing was doing the pizza concept. So I was, a uh, I I was really close friends with a baker in, in Stanton at Newtown Baking. And, uh, he, he won a grant and, uh, wanted to expand it to wood fired pizza and kind of tapped into me and I traveled, um, went up to New York, you know, went to Bushwick, went to Roberta's, went out to Portland, uh, ate around there really started focusing in on pizza and trying to develop that concept. And, uh, we opened that and, uh, we hit and, uh, people were loving it. And, uh, I was like, man, I still got this, this taco thing that I want to express. And, uh, that's kind of, that's, that was the, the beginnings of it. And, um, it was also kind of my first, um, project on my own. I'd, I'd been in the restaurant for a while and I was kind of like, well, you know, if I want to stay in the restaurant, I have to start doing this on my own terms um, and start making my own money at it. And um, Chicano Boy was kind of like the the concept that was bubbling up in my head at the time. Um, it, it was also a little bit personal, um, given my background. Um, and I was trying to use it as a, a bridge, basically, to rekindle a relationship with my father, uh, who's Mexican. And uh, I'd really never looked back that much and uh uh the way that i communicate with the world you know is, is through food uh chiefly and primarily i was like well you know my grandfather had a, a mexican restaurant um eduardo in um in phoenix and my dad's really into food and i was like this could be um a, a good segue into you know trying to rebuild that connection um and just some general interest overall you know and uh, I, I'm grateful that uh, Bill Willett, who uh, who had Newtown Baking, um, he let me borrow the delivery van for uh, um, the bakery to basically do pop-ups in a uh, in a parking lot behind a local brewery behind Redbeard Brewing, and uh, it was just really a simple operation, you know, and it, it blew up, you know, and we had great reception. You're not from Stanton. You're you are West Coast, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but it, it's kind of a it's a lengthy. Again, um, I lived a lot of life, you know, young um, military family. Um, but basically, my family is all from California. I was born in Merced, uh, in the Central Valley. Um, my mother's side's all. Los Angeles, North Hollywood, San Fernando Valley. And then uh, my father's side, um, he was the 11th child, youngest. Um, and they were in the Central Valley and he was a farm worker, you know, like a... So everybody, everybody's been in the Southwest. My, my father, uh, you know, he traces his roots back to um, El Paso and uh, Sonora, 
um, yucky Indian. Um, and they've been just kicking around still. They won't leave the Southwest like my whole entire uh, father's side. You know, they always stay centralized in Texas, Arizona in uh, California. Uh, my mother's side, um, we all kind of bolted, you know, we, uh, we kind of did this pilgrim pilgrimage of, uh, New York to Chicago to LA. And now we're back on the East coast. And a lot of that came from the military. You know, I grew up in a military family. Um, uh, my father was in the army. Um, my, all my stepfathers were in the air force. Uh, my uncle was in the air force. My uncle was kind of like my stand in father growing up. So I was born in California, but then we, you know, we, we lived out in Tennessee. Then we lived out in Las Vegas, South Dakota, Louisiana, Virginia, um, several parts of Virginia, actually, down in Langley Air Force Base and up in Northern Virginia because of the Pentagon. And I kind of had this weird situation where I, uh, it was kind of like a rich dad, poor dad kind of thing where my mom was really, really, really young uh, when she started having children. She was 16 when I popped out. And I had three children by the age she was 21. And um, we, we ended up staying a lot of the times with my uncle um, when there was uh, either economic uncertainty or she had things coming up in her life and she was having a hard time caring for the children. So a lot of the times, uh, you know, when I was with her, I had a, a, a different experience. Um, you know, trying to tack it together, make things work. And then when I was with my uncle, who was an officer in the military, um, fantastic man, you know, really saved my, saved my life for me in a lot of aspects. Um, you know, he gave me the time and the resources to kind of develop uh, as a, as a person. Um, but yeah, um, he was uh, chiefly in Northern Virginia as a defense contractor and uh, again, uh, he was in the Strategic Air Command. He was an officer and uh, was traveling to UK and uh, to Germany. Uh, his assignment was basically watching the Soviet Union there through the 80s and then focusing on the Middle East. You mentioned your mother was a young mother with you. Yes, yes. What are your food memories from growing up? Um, so... Um, the funny part, I guess, of the story is that, uh, you know, I was born in the mid eighties and again, my mom was young. I was more of a sidekick, you know, like my mom will jokingly even say, you know, without much shame, like, well, we grew up together <laughs> and, uh, you know, I have some memories of, you know, kicking it with her girls and stuff like that when I was, a when I was a kid and, you know, they're stealing silverware off the restaurant tables, you know, kind of thing. Um, like put it in the purses, like in, in jet and, and, uh, she, she worked in hospitality. Um, she was a cocktail waitress on the strip in Vegas for a bit. You know, she worked at O'Shea's and a couple other places and, um, she got into hospitality. She had a bunch of fast food gigs, management, management positions and stuff like that. And then, um, when we were in Louisiana, she became the general manager of two restaurants, uh, one a seafood buffet and one kind of like a brunch place at Casino Magic. And, um, you know, one of the bennies of being in management and working in hospitality is generally you can feed your family for the cheap, you know, on the cheap. So we spent some time, you know, um, or if she worked at Ponderosa or whatever, we spent a lot of time as a family in restaurant environments. Um, and again, because of the practicality of 
being to eat, you know, being able to feed your family, uh, you know, rather easily, you know, or at a discount. Um, and again, because she was young, you know, she, she had a lean on other family members, my uncle and my great grandmother and my Nana and my Nana. Um, so uh, a, f a funny part of being from California and, and from my family being around Los Angeles and stuff like that is that celebrity means something different to them, you know, like, um, and like my Nana, my uncle both worked at the sportsman's lodge. Um, and, uh, he, my uncle was like a room service guy and my Nana, I think did something, um, maybe she was a concierge or worked the desk or something like that. And they had celebrities all, all, all the time through the door, you know, like, uh, John and my uncle's like fondest memories, you know, he loves Westerns is that he did room service for John Wayne, you know, and they, they just always had, you know, this spectacle and same thing with my mother too. Like after we moved out to Las Vegas and our girlfriend, one of our girlfriends was dating Andrew Agassi, you know, and, <laughs> That sounds you know, dangerous. so yeah yeah oh yeah definitely back then <laughs> ever his memoir you know um so hopefully your mom didn't pop up in the memoir that'd be kind of awkward yeah, for yeah. you so i uh, they were always i would if anything like my uh my nana and my uncle were always really great storytellers about all this time you know in the uh 50s and 60s uh in los angeles and you know um but my Nana would always talk about um, a chef at the sportsman's lodge in such a loving way. I think she had a crush on him. Um, she had a couple of his recipes. She would fix, you know, a couple of his recipes around the holidays and stuff like that. But she always had a really high opinions of chefs and uh, she loved to cook. She was half Sicilian, half sweet, uh, born in uh, Chicago in 1927. And, uh, you know, very home oriented, very warm. And, uh, you know, she was kind of like, uh, like my uncle was my stand and father. A lot of the, a lot of ways, my Nana raised three generations of our family, um, her children, and, uh, then my mother and then, uh, us or me and my sisters. And, um, she was very centralized around the kitchen, around meals. You know, she fixed all the, all the food for all of us, you know. Uh, every dinner had a proper salad, a loaf of bread and a dessert, you know, and um, as she got older and could, you know, when it would cook less, we ate out more, you know, so I was just uh, inundated with restaurant environment. I was always in restaurants, it seemed like. So what was your first restaurant job? I was a host at the American Cafe in the Fair Oaks Mall at age 15. They let you host? Um, uh, well, I was a little bit cleaner cut, you know, um, well-mannered military kid. I uh, wore my little dress shirt. Um, and it's kind of funny. I mean, uh, there was a, it was my first job. So it was a really big deal to me. I was 15 at the time. We loved going to the mall. You know, we still had that mall culture in our family. Where I was like, oh, what are we going to do? I don't know. Let's go to the mall and walk around. Um, you know, go to Cinnabon or something. <laughs> um, or back then it was like, what Cinnabon, Sam Goody. Uh, I don't even know. All the classics. Orange, Orange yeah. Julius. Did you guys Orange have an Julius. Orange Julius? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So, um, American Cafe was the Fair Oaks Mall. We were like eating there. They had a sign up saying that they needed, you know, uh, they were hiring, and uh, 
I've always wanted, when I was a child, I always wanted to work. I don't know. I, I think it was more or less, I wanted my own money to do my own thing. Um, and uh, I think my first uh, entrepreneurial idea was to sell groceries door to door because I saw other children do it in Las Vegas in the apartment complex that we lived in. And they were, you know, uh, from immigrant families just trying to make it work. And But they would knock on your door, you know, you'd have like a six-year-old and eight-year-old show up with, you know, be like, hey, you want some Twizzlers? <laughs> you know, you want these bag of chips? And I was like, that's a genius idea. And I, I ran it by my family and they're like, you're not doing that, Junior. I'm sorry. So, uh, you know, I, I took my first job really seriously and, um, but it was, it was a classic restaurant setting where like the cook also was a amateur, um, wrestler and he'd be in the back showing us videos of his wrestling gigs on the weekend, like on the, uh, uh, the tape recorder that they, or the, the tape machine that they used to do the training videos on so he'd be like hey man you know he's like in a luchador mask and and then you know we had a hippie chick that you know sold me some hallucinogenic like chocolates when i was 15 and then you know and i'm trying to stay straight laced like trying to really respect my first job and uh i have all these characters around me i was like man this is hilarious this is fun you know so um it that just kind of led to a succession of restaurant jobs and i oops sorry you can get that yeah, take that. We'll listen. I'll see if I can answer some questions. Um, so somebody will get it up front. Um, or I'll hang up. Oh, there we go. So um, <laughs> he takes the so, business seriously. Yeah. So it, it just turned into a, a succession of restaurant jobs where uh, I slowly moved my way to the kitchen. Um, and of course I had like I had dreams and aspirations when I was younger, you know, like I was kind of a <clears throat> reared to be in the service, to be in the military. Um, you know, growing up, I was watching Top Gun, Officer and a Gentleman. You know, uh, I had a flight suit and a bomber jacket. Um, I was living on military bases, going to air shows, you know. You look kind of like Tom Cruise, actually, a little bit. And this little zoom box. I can see that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you need some aviator glasses. What was, what was the eyebrow that just happened there? Did you see that, Scott? Uh, Are you guys flirting? You should get a room. I mean, <laughs> That's all I can say. I'm you definitely can, flirting. You I don't know about my, Justin. Yeah, you can, you can be my goose. Put, I, but that, that, I'm out. I'm leaving. That means I die. So <laughs> I'll, I'll pass on that. I have a question uh, about your family, Justin. And, yeah, um, sure, sure. And it's a little personal. So uh, if you don't yeah, want to answer ahead. it. How do you guys get those little kisses in the tin? I mean, they're so small, the little chocolate kisses. How does that work? Oh, oh, man. Yeah. So <laughs> um, here's a here's a touchstone. I mean, it's something that's to speak about because I feel like especially I, I, I remember when uh, the press was first being released around uh, Chicano Boy coming to Richmond. We had some people on social media be like, cancel this dude, you know, like, uh, he he's a white dude you know and he's calling his restaurant chicano boy and you know cultural appropriation all of this and uh i was like well that's unfortunate um and i had to explain myself to some extent and then people were kind of like oh i'm sorry you know and that's and that's something i wish there was like a people would pump the brakes do the research when it comes to a lot of this social stuff um so 
my name was changed when I was six years old um, to Justin Daniel Hershey. Um, my stepfather, um, my biologic father gave up all rights to me when I was two. And uh, my stepfather, my mom remarried. My stepfather adopted me and they changed my whole name. They anglicized my name, basically. Um, and I, I think they did that in a knowing way to kind of make it a little bit easier for me, you know. Um, already by, you know, second grade, you know, you know, I was the weird ethnic kid in the classroom, you know, with the unusual name. Now, most uh, my family, like my mom's side of the family just called me Junior. Like still to this day, when I go visit my family out in California, I'm little Manny, you know. Um, so when I was, you know, my birth name's Manuel. Borges Padron Jr. And um, it, it's again, it's a really weird situation where I have two different experiences, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so uh, Edward Hershey uh, at age six adopted me and my sister, and uh, they changed my name to Justin Daniel. Daniel's a, a, a family name on my mom's side of the family. And He's a German guy from Nebraska. It was, uh, you know, my stepfather for two or three years. And uh, Justin, my mom, I remember my mom came to me and was like, okay, Ju like, or, okay, Junior, I got two names. I can't remember the second one. It was Justin and maybe it, maybe Michael or something like that. And she was like, which one do you want? <laughs> and I was like, I think I'm going to take you Justin. You went Justin on that? I went Justin because I was like, Justin, because it sounds like justice, and I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know? Solid and logic. I, yeah, solid. I was like, Teenage I, Mutant Ninja Actually, Turtles. you can't break that logic. That's good. Yeah, one. you know, I was trying to get closer to that, you know, at all times. I wanted to just be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And Which one, so, though? I got to ask. Which uh, turtle? Because this is a very, very important question. R Raphael. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, okay. Yeah, okay. This podcast over. It sounds <laughs> Spanish. One. It sounds Spanish. Raphael sounds sort of oh, Spanish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. so so how does that impact a child growing up, changing their identity midway through your first 10 years of life? Like, do you do you can you trace that back? Are, um, it's it's hard for I mean, it, I was just junior, you know, um, like I said, I'm still junior to my dad or little Manny um, when, you know, seeing all my uncles and or my uh, tios and tias and cousins and everything so um i can't everybody kind of had pet names for me anyways you know like my nana on my uh or my nana patty on my mom's side she would still call me junior she wouldn't call me justin really for the most part or uni or something um i don't really remember the like going through it I, i'm guessing it was a gradual thing um but I, I don't know, man, like I, that, that wasn't out of, of all the crazy things that had happened. Um, that one wasn't that memorable, actually. I, I had a couple of questions. Yeah, um, sure. Speaking of memories. Um, so you've cooked for with a couple of James Beard chefs, been to the James Beard house. We done a billion competitions with individuals that either have James Beard or were some of finalists. What are your takeaways from that? When you're, you know, when you're younger and coming up, you're trying to kind of align yourself with some sense of, uh, 
I, I don't want to say prestige, but and and sometimes there is you know a heavy emphasis on lineage. You know, like I worked with reputable people. I was in those environments, even if I was a fly on the wall or I was doing the work, or if I was uh, in somewhat of a management capacity. You know, and you're you're those accomplishments that you achieve together, you know, uh, you're trying to celebrate to some extent, you know, um, if anything to signal to people, Hey, you know, like I come from a place of success, you know? Um, and when you're first getting started, you know, um, and you're nobody, you know, that, that sometimes, uh, helps you make the sale. That makes sense. Um, now anymore with Chicano Boy, you know, and us doing our thing the last seven years, you know, I don't really lean on those things as much. Um, nor am I really, like, I think I've made somewhat of the uh, voyage of being a chef, you know, an egocentric, you know, chef, you know, where you're, you're competing more with your peers and trying to stay relevant then you are trying to take care of the guests. And now with Chicano Boy, we are extremely guest focused and working from the guest back, you know? And uh, I think that's where I really found success finally, you know, getting away from that mentality um, and a lot of growth also, you know? So now, you know, those things, you know, we rattle them off, you know, like I had a friend write that bio for the website and it's just kind of like, well, who are you? What do you do? Kind of thing. And it's just kind of like, well, here's a roadmap of where I've been. If anybody wants to, you know, if they're looking at the website and thinking, okay, was oh, this guy got chops? Is this meal going to suck? Is it going to taste good? What should be my expectations here? Where does he come from? Kind of thing, you know, if anything, it's just supposed to signal, okay, here we, here, th this is the background, you know? And, and no other takeaway than that, you know, I'm not pursuing those paths anymore. You know, I'm just trying to be a really great restaurateur. I think that's great. Your road towards being a really great restaurateur has been kind of up and down. I know that you are sober now. Yeah. Yeah. That almost took. About then that. I almost took down the ship, you know. Um, so April seventh, I've been sober. Let's see, or this uh, this upcoming April seventh, I've been sober for four years. And uh, congratulations! Thanks, I appreciate it. Uh, it's work. Um, so yeah, um, that almost took down the ship. Um, about a year and a half, two years into Chicano Boy, and. Uh, I found myself in enough mental and physical pain where it was kind of like, all right, well, I'm either going to ask for help or I'm going to check out. And uh, that is a very, it, you can't really, it's, it's hard to describe that, you know, but I know, you know, if there's any listeners out there that are listening to this right now, you know what I'm talking about. And uh I decided life and uh, I called a chef friend in the Charlottesville community that uh, had some time over a decade under his belt and uh, confided in him and said, I need help. And he was like, 
tomorrow be here at this time and uh reached out to another friend and i was like all right you know take me in i'm done i can't do this anymore and uh got the same response and um you know when i asked for help help came and i was amazed by that and uh the i guess the the wreckage they say uh it was there you know and I had all basically the, the important relationships in my life had checked. They were done with me kind of thing. And, uh, it was a, you know, the long-term girlfriend leaving the business partner being like, I don't want to do this with you anymore. My investors going to my business partner and being like, Justin needs help. He's in trouble. Like we're showing up to the restaurant and it's 11, 12 o'clock and he smells like alcohol already. And, um, you know, and also the staff being not wanting to work for a monster, you know. Um, so it, it was all coming down and uh, I was on my butt, you know. And uh, That story, I mean, that story started much earlier in my life. I come from a succession of alcoholics. Um, multi-generational you know and i'm not i'm not ta i'm talking about non-functioning alcoholics like sideswipe a rig lose your hand get killed in a bar fight kind of stuff um and it really damaged and destroyed my family and my uh my family always told me these things growing up and i always thought that i no, with that knowledge, you know, they, they say this all the time is there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. And that's the experience. You know, we all know generally what's good, you know, what's good for us. And I thought with that knowledge and knowing that uh, my family had a history of alcoholism that I could ward it off. And um, I didn't dabble with alcohol for a very long time. And when I turned 18, um, you know, at the time, at the time when I was like 14, they were just kind of like, okay, you know, he's got something wrong in his head. You know, maybe he's depressed, maybe he has ADHD, he's a little obsessive compulsive, like all these neurotic issues, you know. Um, and they tried medicating me. And when I turned 18, I was like, okay, I'm not touching any more substance. I'm not doing any more drugs. I'm not going to take any more of the pharmaceuticals. And um, I, I kind of fell into drinking, you know, socially. And then that turned into bench drinking. And then that turned into being a functioning alcoholic. And then that became being an unfunctioning alcoholic, you know, and a lot of pain and all of that, you know, along the process. And it is a progressive, you know, it's a progressive ailment. Um, there's no lie about that. Um, so yeah, four years, April 7th, uh, still text with my sponsor every morning, talk for an hour on Sundays, make meetings when I can, um, you know, try to keep my end of the boat up how difficult Your has end that, of the boat how difficult has that been i realize the restaurant industry is hard enough without the pandemic right. without opening up a new restaurant how i mean how have you managed the last two years so um i wasn't when it was time for me to sober up um uh, my business partner at the time being such the kind guy wise man that he is was like okay well you know let's get you help and uh we had this really outstanding employee 
um, that was living out in West Virginia. Uh, he was a prior employee. And he didn't really like his circumstance out there. So we, we reached out to him and we knew that he could help us at the restaurant to give me time, you know, away from the restaurant to kind of do the work, you know, and try to screw my head back on because um, you're not really operable. Um, I would say for the first three months anyways, I couldn't even sleep for the first month. Um, so we paid for him to relocate to Stanton and, uh, got him squared up in the restaurant. And I, I kind of took off for three months and I was, you know, doing the meetings, uh, trying to do some of the, the psych work and, and, uh, trying to get my life into some kind of order again. And, um, <clears throat> It really created a hole in my, you know, in my esteem. And uh, I wasn't sure. I didn't know what the truth was to some extent. You know, I had to really rely on the group conscience and uh, I had to really rely on good sponsorship because I just had crazy feelings, things coming back up. You know, you're kind of like, it's like kind of hit being hit by a tsunami in a lot of ways. Like there's a lot of that, that whole thing where you kind of go back to like where you, uh, you first started using them. There's a lot of truth in that, you know? Um, so I had a lot of canned feelings and a lot of experiences that I, I thought that uh, I dealt with that I really did not deal with. And you start getting a full spectrum of feelings again, and that's really overwhelming. And um, so I, I, I didn't really know what was going on with me. I was just trying to kind of deal with it in the day, you know, and, and kind of process everything. And um, I can't, I didn't have much esteem and being in a leadership position of a, you know, of any business, I think, and going through these things, it, it's hard, you know, it, it, it's like, I, I'm not sure if I can trust my decisions. I, I'm certainly not a, a splitting image of a, a, a strong, competent leader right now. Um, so it ran through my mind. I was like, I should sell this. I should sell Chicano Boy. And I went to uh, two different restaurant groups. And I was like, uh, you know, this is what we're doing. Here's the P&Ls. This is the, what I would like. Uh, and we got one offer on it. And um, I went back to my investors. And I was like, what do you think of this? And they're like, if you want out, take it. We, we have another project. Once you get yourself together, um, that's where Blue Point is now in Stanton was the Mockingbird. Actually, Lee Lee was the chef there uh, or the, one of the opening chefs, I think, for the Mockingbird in Stanton. And uh, they're like, we got we were thinking about opening a restaurant here. We want you to be the chef. We'd make you a partner. You know, if you sell Chicano Boy after you get healthy. So I, I sat and I stewed on it, you know, and I was just kind of like, uh, I think I still got this. You know, I, I think I can still do it. I can. I just need the time. I'm going to work my way back into it easily. And that's what I did. And um, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I guess I was able to, I, I had a succession of somewhat uh, successful events happen that, that kind of helped uh, prop me up during that time and give me a base or a foundation to work off. So I could, again, build that esteem and, you know, and a lot of that had to do with, um, 
trying to right some wrongs, you know, um, and staying healthy, you know, and, uh, and I stopped shouldering everything myself. Um, I would start taking my problems to other people, you know, and that I had never done that before, really. I, I know that might sound silly, you know, um, because maybe normal, healthy, well-adjusted people know to do that in, in intuitively, but that was just never my way, you know. Um, so I started doing the right things, I guess, and uh, things started coming together, and the restaurant um, responded, you know, to that, and uh, we built better, like a better environment, and guests responded, and Chicano Boy just kind of blew up uh, almost after my sobriety, you know. Um, I'm very fortunate for that. You know, I got a, a second shot at it in a lot of ways, you know. So can we talk about the new restaurant in Richmond? First of all, I'm super proud of you. I want to make sure I say that. I know I tell you over text message, but I want to make sure I say it out loud because four years is awesome. So we'll we'll, we'll go with that. A, you don't need me to be proud, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Thanks. Um, and then can we talk about the new restaurant in Richmond? First, if I'm going and I'm eating, well, I know what I'm eating, but what would you tell me to eat? Um, well, um, I think that sweet potato taco is a banger. <laughs> Are you making fun of me? <laughs> no, no. I, I think that it's, um, it's not, uh, in, like when you look at the menu, you're, you're probably kind of like, oh, that's a snoozy vegetarian option. It's a, but, it's a banger uh, for sure. Yeah, you know, even our carnivore guests that, you know, venture and have it are just kind of like, dang, you know, I'm going to put that in the mix um, from now on. So I, I would definitely try the sweet potato. Um, I think we make a pretty good carnitas taco. And uh, I think... I'm trying to think what else. I, I mean, you, it's, it's kind of like, you know. I would eat a bowl of your salsa. Yeah, the salsas are good. I mean, it's hard for me because it's like, well, pick your favorite child kind of thing. You know, a lot of this, a lot of these things we've had around uh, from the beginning and they take in many forms, different chefs have touched them. Kind of, um, we have a really a great depth chart and a talent here. So, you know, we, we keep refining things um, some things are in their final form finally, but it's hard for me to pick. And it's also kind of like, what you hungry for? What, you know, what are your preferences? I, I think, every, yeah, All I think, every, I think everything's a pretty solid showing, you know, and are you opening more in Richmond? We would like to, I mean, so far, um, Scott would like one right next to his house. He's in the West end. So you can just do it right there. Yeah. We, yeah, I would appreciate I would like to do that. Uh, we'll see. That. We'll see, you know, like, I kind of, you know, it's always hard for me because I'm moving uh, a different line, like along different lines of abstraction from being a, you know, a grand restaurateur with some kind of vision of a scalable restaurant group to, you know, washing dishes here, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I try, you know, I have short term goals, kind of like uh, some media in the middle stuff. And then I got some long term stuff. And it really, I mean, and they're all kind of intertwined, dependent upon each other. So, um, so far, good reception here in Richmond. Um, uh, above projection, everything's going well. Um, of course, uh, we're looking at the the macro econ the, the macroeconomics of how everything is going, and the social economic landscape is kind of 
a mess right now. And, um, you know, we, we kind of, I took a stance early in the pandemic of, uh, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to move through this and we're going to be smart and, um, but we're not going to slow down and we're not going to stop, you know, we're going to be perpetual and, and just keep moving. And that really, uh, that strategy worked for us really well. Um, did I hear you might do a pop-up with Joe Sparata at Heritage? Yeah, I found, um, it's funny, Joe, um, Joe had come to, um, Stanton with a, a Danish chef, um, Bo Beck several years ago. And that's the first time I met Joe. So Bo Beck was filming. He, he, he has the, the kitchen nightmares in Denmark. He is the host, not Gordon Ramsay. It's Bo Beck. And, um, he was doing, he was shooting something here, um, in the United States and, uh, with Jason Tesaro, right? Yeah, exactly. So me and Ian from the shack, uh, met with Bo Beck, uh, Jason and, uh, Joe for coffee and a chat and, um, socialize. And, um, that's the first time I met Joe. And, uh, of course he has a friendship with Ian. And, um, when I was first coming to Richmond, I reached out to Lee, um, and, and Joe, cause I was like, Hey, you know, you guys got any good restaurant repair guys or, you know, any kind of services that you would recommend, you know? And from that, um, I also live across the street from heritage and the fan. And, and, and from that, me and Joe have, uh, continued to form a friendship and he's come into the restaurant, you know, three or four times. He loves it. Um, and he invited us to do a, an event over at heritage to kind of help introduce Chicano boy to the, to the city. So, um, my chefs, you know, both restaurants are, are, uh, really excited about that opportunity. And so, yeah, I look forward, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, um, spring, summer, when we have good produce and, um, I, it's been a while since I've, uh, opened that side of myself up, like, um, as far as trying to be expressive with food, um, or uh, cook in an intellectual capacity. We're, we're going to kind of do a toss-up. Uh, it better be tacos and heritage food, and then Scott will be the first in line. I'm telling you right yeah, now, he yeah. loves all that stuff. So you'll have him waiting in line. All right, I got one last question for you. Sure, sure. What's your beef with Guy Fieri? Oh, my beef with Guy Fieri. Oh, God. Um, I read. You know, yeah, you read a bunch of old stuff. Um, <laughs> I read everything. <laughs> yeah, I saw you were like, fo like following me on my little pottery thing just the other I day. I love all your pottery. Like, I'm glad you're an intern at Visual Arts. You, you didn't answer my question. What's wrong with Guy Fieri? You know, I have, um, I have a better opinion of Guy Fieri now than uh, I had prior. You know, lots changed uh, in Justin's life, Ruby. Think things have evolved. Yeah, lots of well, things have changed. And did I just hear you have a better opinion of Guy Fieri than you used to? Yeah, well, um, so from what I understand, that dude's a sweetheart, man. And he's a real nice guy. Yeah, and he does a lot of fundraising and philanthropy. How do you say that? We're philanthropy. That's right. Philanthropy. You, you got it. You got philanthropy. it. <laughs> you yeah. listening to Eat in Virginia with Scott, right. Ruby, and Justin, who likes philanthropy <laughs> philanthropy <laughs> i said i said in the interview that justin looks like tom cruise 
But I, I want to amend that a little bit. I mean, oh, he does, goodness. he does. But during the, and I was afraid to even say this during the interview because I was afraid you were going to make another comment about me flirting with him. Well, you were flirting with him. He looks like Charlie Sheen too, don't you think? I, I got like a, a Hot Shots Charlie Sheen vibe from him when he was talking about uh, being a fighter pilot. Maybe it was just the fighter pilot talk. I don't know. I, so I've known Justin for a little bit now. And at one point in time, he had like a, a, a very cartoonish, fun mustache. Okay. Yeah, and I always feel like that he could be like a, the, a member of a really famous ska band. <laughs> like that's, like this. Okay, <laughs> that's mean, very I mean, random, but okay. It, it, it is, but that's my feelings on that. He's also an extremely talented chef. I, you know what, actually, I feel like cider situation, which I don't know if you listened to the first part of this is what I had to, what I managed to say the cider con was is, and I think that could be the name of Justin's. Ska style. band? Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. You hear that, Justin? We have a, a new mission for you. I have a mission for myself. Since last we spoke, Roby, since last I saw you, I have found my purpose in life. You, make, you do all of these extreme things on this podcast, Scott. I feel like it's just your outlet to discuss your mission in life, that you found everything, you know what you're doing now. Tell me about this mission. There's a little spot on Main Street on the corner of Davis and Main. It's a pizza shop. I walked, I walked in there to get a pizza. On the wall of this hole in the wall at Davis and Main, it says the Benny's Challenge. If you can eat the large 28-inch Benny's cheese pizza in 28 minutes, they'll give you $280. I can eat a lot of pizza. I can eat a lot of pizza very fast. We ordered said large cheese pizza for the table. There were five of us. I could only eat two slices, two and a half slices. I was timing myself as like almost like a warm up to see what I could do if I had to do it. Two and a half slices in 18 minutes. I wasn't really trying to eat fast, but I just like a normal kind of eating pace. I'm not sure I could eat eight slices of that Benny's pizza in 28 minutes. Have you seen? Have you been to Benny's A and have you seen this challenge B? So Benny's originated in Blacksburg, which I don't know if you know this. I went to tech. I've seen many a good man fall. (laughs) (laughs) So you've never seen someone complete this challenge? Uh, I've never seen anyone try sober. So you're going to be the first one to do that, I bet. Um, And I've seen, let's just say I've seen a lot of undigested and digested Benny's pizza. Yeah. The more we talk about it, the less appealing it all sounds. Mm, I, I don't know. It's been a while since I've had a Benny's, um, mostly because I'm not in Blacksburg and think that there's, oh, I'm going to get crucified for this, think that there's way better pizza in Richmond. But it does serve a purpose, and uh, everybody wants to take a picture with a pizza slice the size of their head because that makes sense. And it's, what, four bucks for a head slice piece? piece for a what four dollars for a head as in your own head slice yeah i think the four dollar slice five. that's like that's mid 90s prices there roby it's closer God, to, say it's, that four times it's back. closer to five dollars now oh mabby so okay it's five dollars for a head size slice piece boom, boom! this episode of eat it virginia <laughs> eat it virginia <laughs> This episode of Eat It for <laughs> No! Oh, God, no.